Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this edition of the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm your host, Elaine Nordland, and we are broadcasting live from the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show at the Cattleman's Connection booth. Again, that booth is sponsored by Micro Technologies. For more information on Micro Technologies, make sure and visit them online here today. And as we gather for more of these conversations with cattlemen and women, we like to talk about every aspect of the beef business. And today we are joined by a Kansas native. Mr. Derek Thompson joins us. And Derek, you are a, a rancher and you're also involved in the packing industry. So first off, Derek, uh, thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So as we gather here today, Derek, uh, let's maybe talk a little bit about uh, your operations in both Kansas and Missouri. Yeah, so uh, main, uh, we call our main operations in northeast Kansas in the Flint Hills of uh, the beautiful, beautiful state of Kansas. So we really started out as a feed yard operation. Our, we have two feed yards, one located in southwest Kansas and uh, one down by Emporia, Kansas. So one-time capacity is 60,000 head. And uh, what, what that really did was led us into the genetic side and, and into the seed stock operation. That's where we're located in northeast Kansas in the Flint Hills is uh, roughly about 1,000 registered mama cows and uh, a couple bull cells a year. And that's where it all starts is on the genetic side. And uh, fr- from there, what, what really drove you to stay in the family business? Yeah, so really, I grew up aunts and uncles in, uh, in the cattle business, not in, a, not in a large way, but I actually found my way out of college in the financial services industry and uh, I've always loved the cattle business. And you know, once I was able to actually have a little bit of disposable income, was able to get more involved in the cattle <laughs> business, as we all know how expensive it is nowadays, yep. but um, was able to leave that. Uh, industry about five years ago and really devote 100% of my time to the cattle business and and here we are today. So as you look at that, what what were some of those other careers that you had outside of the the cattle business? Yeah, so I was able with a couple other gentlemen to start a financial services company in Topeka, Kansas, uh, where it's continuing to thrive today. There's roughly 600 employees there in Topeka and my two former partners are still running that on a daily basis and I told them I was tired of you know, sitting in boardrooms and meetings all day long and wanted to get out and about and, and enjoy the joy outside more. And that's that was able to leave that and start Next Gen Cattle Company. Well, and that's, I, I always joke as a full-time farm broadcaster, still involved with my, my family and my in-laws operation. I'm just the, the broke ranch kid that has to talk for a living. <laughs> but uh, as we talk about ne- Next Gen Cattle Company, obviously that name has some meaning there. You yeah. want to explain that a little more? Yeah, so we, when we, we really, you know, started to go into it full time we wanted to we, we had a different view on things that the next generation farmer rancher is going to have to do things a little bit differently and that's where the name next gen you know next gen started and uh you know the idea of having to do more with less is really true when you talk about you know sustainability and less land less water you know less uh more, more cost of production i mean the next generation farmer you know, you look at what a, a combine or a new tractor costs today, and I don't know how some people do it, but the next generation farmer is going to have to do things differently and truly maximize dollars uh, in the industry. And that led us to really being fully integrated in the cattle business. And so maybe let's expand upon that integration and also some of the, maybe the, the knowledge and the resources that you have sought to look at the, yeah. the cow-calf into things, the feeder into things, and then we'll get into that packer conversation. 
Well, I'll brag on myself a minute, and I am a master <laughs> at surrounding myself with people that are a lot smarter than myself. So, uh, but that truly, we have an amazing team, uh, not only at Next Gen Cattle Company, but also at Missouri Prime. Uh, I'm a big believer in going out and hiring the best in the industry and letting them do their thing, and uh, that's really where it starts from. We have an amazing team uh, throughout Kansas and, and throughout Missouri. Well, uh, lo- looking at that, you know, there's been such a, a, a conversation around packing capacity, and I always say there's nothing more American than seeing butcher shops yeah. on each end of the main street, wherever you live. But in reality, we do need more packing capacity, uh, bigger than just those local shops as well. So let, let's maybe talk about how you got uh, involved with Missouri Prime Beef Packers and uh, what, what the goal uh, of that processing is. Yeah. So about two years ago, we started, uh, we ventured off in the meat business and uh, met my partner, uh, Stacy Davies, uh, who's, who's got a tremendous background on uh, not only on ranching, very successful rancher in the Northwest, but also on building uh, meat supply. And uh, our job at NextGen is to procure the cattle, line up the supply chain, and him and his team is, is uh, in charge of selling it. So we started that meat company a couple years ago, and the largest bottleneck is a continued packing space. You know, we actually had a couple different packers we were working with, and then COVID hits, and uh, we literally lost pretty much all of our space at those places. They, they decided to, you know, the opportunities were so great that they harvested their own animals and sold their own meat, and we pretty much got kicked to the curb. So we wanted to be in the meat business for the long haul, we knew the only way for us to really continue that is to own our own packing space. And you know, we were blessed to find what we think was a hidden gem down in Pleasant Hope, Missouri. That was a pork facility and had been shut down and owned by the state of Missouri. And we were able to pick it up and uh, over the last you know year and a half, converted it back to a beef facility. And here we are today. So when we look at that, uh, one of the big conversations that occurs at my family's operation and every single operation out there at kitchen tables is the cattle markets. Uh, price discovery, transparency in the marketplace. Uh, what, what, what are some of your goals with transparency with, with your processing and packing facilities? Yeah. So uh, I think that probably the best way to explain what our philosophy is is to talk about our most successful program that we launched in basically April, and that's the Show Me Beef program, which is the, the USDA claim is lifetime of the animal in Missouri. So our I mean, we're cow-calf, we're ranchers ourselves. We understand the challenges at the cow-calf level. And uh, what we're really trying to do is to put together programs that we can share back some of those premiums back to the ranchers. What I tell people, back to the folks that are doing the real hard work and, and the labor to, to raise these fine animals. So when we look at that, what, what is your weekly hook capacity? And uh, maybe talk about that relationship you yeah. have with those uh, producers or feedlot operators and, and looking at giving more of a premium on those dollars per head. Yeah, so we can do about three. Our cooler space will allow us to do about 300 fats a day. Uh, and some additional cows on top of that. And uh, our Show Me Beef program is, is taking off like wildfire. It's up to about 350 to 400 head a week. And uh, by the retailers are demanding by this fall, they want it up to 700 head a week. So when you really take back and think about lifetime of the animal in Missouri, uh, 700 a week ahead, uh, 700 head a week is a pretty significant amount of animals to be finishing in the state of Missouri. So, you know, looking at this, what are some of the challenges that you have seen getting into the packing end of things from the actual cattle side of things now actually getting into the beef side of it? 
Yeah, so I'm lucky to have a tremendous partner. Back to what I mentioned is I'm in charge of supply and procurement, and he's in charge of sales. But uh, you know, him and his team has just done a tremendous job. We have so many opportunities coming at us on the sales side. Uh, and I think a lot of it was due to you know, COVID and people really, what I would call getting back to respecting the American rancher and wanting to know where their meat, how their meat is being raised, where it's being raised, how it's being cared for. Um, that, you know, everybody's talking about that as a, as a hot buzz item in the industry, but it is, it is real. The folks are willing to buy local as long as they understand, you know, how their animals are being cared for and really what the process mm-hmm. is. Uh, how about the conversation around quality, mm-hmm. Th- those beef quality, genetics? What, how, how do those conversations go with producers and, and, and seeing the quality from producers and yeah. maybe not so much quality from other producers? Yeah, it's certainly a hot topic. I tell you, the consumer is demanding a better product on a daily basis. You know, the, uh, the, we, we joke that, you know, the, the select, today's select, today select is the new standard and, and lower choice is kind of today's select. And it is. Uh, that the consumer is definitely demanding a higher quality product. And, you know, from a genetic standpoint, I think if you look back over even the last 10 or 15 years, the genetics across the country uh, have really improved across the board. And we're lucky to, you know, be in the Midwest and, and, you know, surrounded around Kansas and Missouri and some really, really good quality cattle. And with that, our listeners could be saying, so how much more money ahead could I could I get if I team up with the guys that are taking that risk and in getting into the packing business? And again, I know that's a hard hard to quantify, but guys that aren't Missouri growing or through some of these certification programs, what what is how many more pennies or dimes are they getting per head just uh, because they have a facility there that's looking for quality program from in state? Yeah, so the Missouri program, we have an extremely competitive grid on the Show Me Beef program, and it's uh, we start with three bucks a hundred over over live price plus the grid on top of that. So if you got good quality cattle, um, it's nothing to pick up an additional ten to thirteen bucks a hundred uh, on the on the grid plus the premiums, and then all the way up to the natural or all natural programs. Uh, we have a gap program that uh, currently today uh, pays three hundred fifty bucks a head on a fat. And, uh, you know, between 10 to 15 bucks on a, you know, 550 pound calf, uh, 100 over the over the market. So the premiums are, are absolutely there. And the, 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 to maximize your premiums is to follow them all the way through on the retained ownership side. So when we look at the pandemic and the impact that that had on consumer buying, consumer preferences, cooking at home, uh, how did that change beef demand in your region? Oh, tremendous. I mean, if you look at you know, we, we now have pop-up farmer ranchers that are selling meat out of parking lots on the weekends or their own little reefer trucks. Um, the demand for, for beef, like I talked about, I think when, when folks would drive by the, down I-70 and see all these animals along the side of the road, they really didn't get the respect that they did after COVID. They realized, wow, that when meat was taken away from me, you know, that respect back to the American rancher was there and, and they're demanding a better product and again demanding who, who's raising my animals and they want to buy local mm-hmm. you know one of the conversations we've seen so many people and i applaud anyone that's going to take those extra steps to get into a a, a beef end of things as cow calf or feedlot producers and branding their own product 
Um, but what are maybe some of the uh, opportunities you see as we move forward post-pandemic, partnering with packing plants, maybe similar to yours, or creating more, but also being aware of how much money it takes to get into the, the packing end of it? Yeah, there's a, there's a definite, uh, specifically to the first part of the question is, where would I harvest my animals? And that is a, I mean, I, I can't think, if you had 100 head a week, in your meat program and the meat is sold today and you needed a place to have them harvested, I don't think you would find a place in the country today. You would certainly uh, turn over every rock you possibly could to find it. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the second part. Of the question, second part is just the cost of oh, getting yeah. into the packing end of it. Yeah, it's, uh, that's absolutely probably the largest bottleneck and the largest uh, barrier to entry. It's just the amount of capital it takes to get started. It, it's significant. What is it per hook? Uh, for your you know, operation, if you're comfortable sharing for, that. For, I think for, for if you were going to go build a new facility from uh, harvesting them on the, from the kill through fab, uh, you're looking at roughly 50000 head, $50,000 per head space. Yeah. So it's it's significant. And cost of production is going up. I mean, with I mean, you look at some of the additional expenses we had at the plant, there were a lot of them were due to COVID-related delays, and they can just demand more for equipment and yeah, I, it's probably more than that right now. So when we look at how maybe I mentioned the pandemic, it truly did impact consumer buying habits, uh, beef re- uh, being readily available. And just uh, for the guys that did want to get one head processed, we, we saw that bottleneck and yeah. the impact it had. So as we look at funding, obviously there is a lot of mechanisms through a lot of COVID funds a lot of smaller plants were able to expand across the entire nation. I know uh, so many states utilized uh, a COVID money as well to help these smaller uh, yeah. processing facilities get it start. How important is it to, to be able to see that as a resource and utilize, uh, like I, I know the, uh, the Butcher Block Act that was introduced not too long ago is a great way for a loan through USDA to expand mm-hmm. uh, processing facilities. How important is it for the future of small processors that, that there be funding opportunities? It's, it's, it's absolutely critical. Matter of fact, I I don't see it. I don't see it changing without it. My personal belief is there's too much red tape uh, currently on these programs. You know, we've we've looked into uh, expansions at the plant uh, due to opportunities that have come at us, and looked at looked at some of those programs. But there's just there. It's not moving quick enough, in my opinion. And, and nothing against the the folks that are killing 10 to 15 to 20 head a day. But if we want to really make an impact, we got to go out and support these two to to 500 to 750 head a day facilities to really make an impact out in the industry. I mean, there are so many people that have great programs that literally just don't have space to to get the animals harvested. So say someone's listening to this, maybe young family looking to diversify, and they need to make a pitch to an investor that is looking to reinvest into rural communities, uh, taking the opportunity to to create more local foods. What are some of the key things that they should consider in a business proposal to a possible investor? Because it's going to be hard for cattlemen and women to just say, we're going to leverage the ranch to be able to do this. Add 50% to your budget, one. And then really find that it starts with connecting to that retail consumer and, and telling your personal story. If you can get out and tell your story and connect with that consumer, uh, there is a tremendous amount of opportunity. Then, like we just talked about, the bottleneck is going to be capital. Well, and speaking of other bottlenecks, when we look at what happened uh, during Memorial Day when uh, they had a, a, a shutdown uh, in our larger packing plants, what, what, how did that impact you as a smaller packer? 
You know, we weren't, we didn't, it, it was so short lived uh, that, that we didn't experience it so much locally, but it's it just the, it, it's a, a quick reminder of the impact of an event like that. So looking ahead, where do you see uh, Missouri Prime Beef and Next Gen Cattle? What are some of your next steps? I, it might be a secret. You might not want to share that with me. But what are your next steps to help get to that next stage or help other people get a start uh, fr from your perspective? Yeah, so it's obviously continuing to grow. Uh, you know, I mentioned the retailers on the, sh on the Show Me Beef program are demanding 700 head a week come this fall. That's double where we're at today is if you're from the state of Missouri, and you want to learn more about the program is certainly getting in touch with us. I mean, that's the, 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 the first program that we're pouring a ton of support into. And then on a national level, our Flint Hills Beef Program is our all-natural program. And uh, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. We've, you know, that's a 25 to 30,000 head a year program. Uh, we would love to take it to 50,000 head a year. And um, that back to our bottleneck is growth at the plant and additional capital to put in additional cooler space and to expand to where we can do you know, five to 600 head a, a day of fats. And, um, you know, we're off, off and running from there. But it's a, it's a lot of work. Uh, it takes a lot of people. It takes an army of people. And it takes a lot of capital. So looking at maybe some of the opportunities on the state level, uh, let's maybe talk about uh, working with the Department of Agriculture down mm -hmm. there, maybe just some different rural development opportunities to, to help uh, spark some of this yeah, growth. Yeah, I got to give it. The state of Missouri has been unbelievable. You know, Governor Parsons just been an absolutely an, an incredible asset. He, he actually lives 10 miles when he's not at the, in uh, Jefferson City. He lives 10 miles. He's got a ranch 10 miles north of our plant. And uh, we've went over and spent time with him. You'll find him this time of year on Sundays, baling hay. Uh, just a neat guy. He's huge into ag. But the Department of Ag in the, in the state of Missouri has, has really been incredible. You know, COVID has really put a huge uh, damper on a lot of their funds uh, for, for local support for, for plants. But we got some support from them locally when we got going. And uh, they're there to do everything they can to make sure we're a success. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Missouri Prime Beef, um, but are growing in Missouri, uh, excuse me, the, the, the label, is that show U.S. Me show me beef? See, I'm glad you're here to correct yeah. me on that. Show me beef. Is that USDA certified and that can be exported out as well and shipped across uh, state lines, obviously? That, yeah, so it, it absolutely can. It's a USDA, USDA program. Yep. So when you look at uh, trade missions with uh, uh, folks from out, out of the country, uh, that, that's pretty appealing if they can come see the cattle and, and also see them just work through your operation as well. Yeah, so we're currently exporting to China, Asia Pacific, and, and looking at doing some stuff in Peru. So there's a, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity on the export side as well. Now, being involved in pretty much every aspect of, from cattle to beef, you know, there's a lot of parts of the nation where you can grow corn and soybeans now for, for feed, where before you couldn't just because of uh, advancements in technology. What are your tips out there for maybe feeders that are looking to, to maybe expand into the further northern regions where I'm from or, or di different maybe southwestern places where we are seeing more feed grains uh, produce? How, how do we look at that opportunity as well, utilizing new technologies? Well, they were a lot more excited to feed their corn when it was 350 a uh -huh. bushel. But uh, now that it's up to where it's at today, they're not so excited to feed it to their animals. But, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's more cattle being fed throughout. You look at areas like southeast part of the country. Uh, just had a meeting with some guys in Florida that are finishing cattle and, and having a tremendous amount of success. But all through Georgia and Mississippi, there's more corn being grown down there every day, and it, which is just opens up a lot of opportunity. But again, back to the to kill space. I mean, that's going to be the bottleneck. 
So in your opinion, as we look at the opportunities for more smaller to mid-sized packers to open up, um, how many can, can, can be in a region before they start uh, being um, not as beneficial to, yeah. to the industry itself? You know, that's a, it would take someone a lot smarter than me to answer that, <laughs> but I will tell you there is a tremendous opportunity. It's, there's, a, there's so much of a runway out there. I don't see it maybe in my lifetime being, mm-hmm. a, being a real issue. And when you go back to, again, the, the barriers of entry, I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't see it be, being a problem anytime soon, but we definitely need them. Regional, regional packers is, a, is, is absolutely what's needed. You know, anything else you'd just like to share about just your involvement in the cattle industry and just why, why it is important to attend your state meetings, your county meetings, and, and go to events like the Cattle Industry Convention. And it, it's always, you always lose money when you leave the operation. Everybody understands yeah. that, but you gain a lot by all the knowledge you pick up along the way, too. Yeah, and, and I look around and you see people that are having individual meetings. I know my calendar is slammed full the next two days with, with meetings with individuals, but it's a, it's a just such a neat group of people. And you, you you got to get involved. It's easy to stay on the ranch and complain about all the issues we all face. I mean, let's face it, being in the cattle business is not easy. Uh, but unless you're involved in trying to make a difference, uh, I mean, you got to. You, you, it's the it's the only way it's going to keep us going in the future. Now, up north, and this may not uh, impact you being in Missouri and, and really focusing on those local uh, aspect of things, but we're going to see a lot of early weaned cattle head, head to the feedlots this fall due to drought. Um, and they might be feeding them, you know, northern cattle from the Dakotas, Montana, Wyoming. Uh, how do you factor in that as we may see maybe cattle pulled out of those feedlots a little sooner to make space? Yeah, I don't know if the market's quite showed that yet, but uh, we're already seeing a lot of them filter into southwest Kansas. And that's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, you're going to have to, you know, be on the edge of your seat in 2022. I think we're all going to be along for a ride. So I'm anxious to see where we head with it. Yeah, and again, we're seeing a lot of cows head down the road, too, so we're very hopeful that those shortages of uh, the exported meat that goes into a lot of yeah. fast food burgers out of uh, South America and Australia, you know, hopefully that, that not being shipped out as much anymore because of their drought situations right. be more opportunity for that U.S. beef as well. Absolutely. But, well, well, sir, it's a very interesting opportunity to talk about uh, all, all that's exciting in the business and the risk that you're taking and the partnerships you've created. Yeah, I just would get a shout out to, again, to our people, you know, uh, Stacy Davies and, and myself are the two owners of the, of the packing plant. But we have 220 people back at Pleasant Hope that busted every day to... Uh, to uh, really, really make it go on a daily basis. Well, labor, we're going to continue this now. You brought up uh, the actual <laughs> labor force. How, how challenging is that in your neck of the woods? I mean, it's what keeps me up at night. I mean, we every morning at 730, we have a plant call with management, and uh, it's a topic every day. Uh, I was telling someone, you know, we had 20, 222 people on the payroll uh, last, last week, and it's nothing to have 40 to 50 a day just not show up to work and we, we got hit I'm sure a lot of you saw on a national level Springfield Missouri yep. which we're right outside of got hit with the new uh, Delta variant of COVID and it, it ran through our plant as well and so whether it's COVID related or just people not getting used to going back to work I mean it is labor is a is a real issue and it's here you look around this hotel today there's shortages in in all industries and I'm worried about that in the future and I don't see what's going to really change that so um, when we started, when we opened the plant, we started at the, the entry level job at 12 bucks an hour of full benefits, and that's up to $16 an hour, and that was from March of this year. So, and I, I'm not sure if we if we offered them, you know, four or five bucks more an hour, if it would really make an impact. Yeah. So it's a 
it's a huge challenge. It, it is, but again, labor is one of those issues that NCBA continues to work on. Ag labor reform is one of those big ones, obviously, out in Washington, D.C. But, uh, Derek, again, I, I know we got the, the trade show just opened up, and I know the bar probably is calling you, and I, I, I don't know about that. But uh, um, I, I guess what are, what are some last comments you'd like to share before uh, we wrap up this, this uh, conversation? You know, I, it's a tremendous crowd. I was a little worried with the, the flare-up in COVID that we might not have the, the, the uh, traffic that, that we would normally see. But there's a, a very, very vibrant group here, and I'm looking forward to the next couple of days. Now, it's going to be a great time. Again, this conversation recorded during the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Nashville, Tennessee. Just a shout-out again. We are broadcasting from the Cattlemen's Connection, sponsored by Micro Technologies. Thank you so much for providing the space. And Jonathan, our great mixer that's keeping us online and sounding good and give him a shout out but uh derek uh, again thank you so much where can folks learn maybe more about uh, your, your two entities yes yeah, so we have a booth here at the, the convention at next gen cattle company or go to nextgencattlecompany.com and uh, all of our programs are on there on the website so well, great. If uh, you can't, if you didn't make it to convention, check out the website. And again, Derek Thompson with Next Gen Cattle and Missouri Prime Beef Packers. Great to hear your perspective on things, and uh, you know, it, it, it's great to hear people getting into that aspect of things, but uh, and providing more opportunity and knowledge for producers out there eager to learn about it and maybe dip their toe in the water as well. Thank you for joining us here yeah. today. Thank you, Lane. All right, friends. That's going to do it for this great conversation. From the Cattleman's Call podcast, I'm Lane Nordland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.